things that we're supposed to do to get ready for the show. And here we are. Good morning. <laughs> Nikki Burnett here, Taste Life Radio, streaming live on KUHS Denver. Um, and this show, what is this show about? We are about truth. That's kind of the, what this has become, is really about truth. You know, we, we, there's so much um, misinformation in the world and on the internet. We have all of this information, yeah. and how do we decipher what's real, what's not real, what's good, what's not good, what's right for us, and what's right for somebody else. And so, but then, of course, the goal is to have fun and bring on smarty pants people like Sarah so we can have super fun conversations um, about real life stuff and what makes the world go round. But get the truth out there the best that we know it today. Science changes constantly. And so we are working always to uh, bring the science that we know to be the best science today. And then tomorrow we say, oh, okay, so this is something new, or maybe this has changed because that's what happens. So um, today I have on an amazing friend of mine. Um, I have said this many times before. I surround myself with people who lift others up and lift me up and who are smarter than I am and who I can talk to and go to and have fun with and all of these things, and Sarah is one of those people. So Sarah Eisenbud is I'm going to do, sorry, a quick introduction, then we have to go into gratitude, and then we're going to talk all about you. Oh, then, <laughs> that's uncomfortable, I'm sure. <laughs> um, so Sarah Eisenbud is a narrative therapist. Um, yeah. Yeah. Are you questioning that? Or well, I'm, I'm just, know that? I, I do know that, um, but I, you know, you've got the acronyms, you know, yeah. behind your name and all of the things. Oh, so. yeah. Yes, so you're a licensed professional counselor, yep. um, and but she has this this certification in narrative therapy, which is you're, everybody's like, what's that? But it's this amazing world of practicing therapy, and so we want to get into that a little bit. But gratitude, we always want to start our day with gratitude, and I'll tell you that this morning I got up, I got a plate, and I haven't done it yet. So right now I'm going to start my day with gratitude. Okay. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit late, but. Um, couple of things that I'm grateful for. We had a really long, week-long vacation last week, and it was in the mountains where there's no cell, no Wi-Fi, for an hour and a half away. So you have to really go out of your way to get online, to have yeah. a phone call, any of that stuff. And being up in the mountains and being with family, we do it every year, is such a great experience. We just love it, and I'm just super grateful for that. And then, of course, as always, I'm grateful for you for being on the show, for being a part of my life, and, you know, Sarah has helped me with clients, um, all the way, okay, I didn't turn the music, I thought I did, there we go, <laughs> so Henry, the fearless leader, um, is giving me direction, <laughs> so, <laughs> thanks Henry, um, Anyway, so I'm uh, super grateful for you for what you do and who you are and for working yeah. with my clients, for helping me in, in you know, multiple situations. And so um, thank you for that. And thanks for being here. Yeah, <laughs> thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, okay, your turn. What are you grateful for? Oh, that's hard because there's so many things that just pops up, but I'll go with what's true in the moment. I guess as I sit here with you, Nikki, I'm mm -hmm. really grateful for Nikki helped me. My dog got really sick in the last um, year, and 
Um, she just rallied around me, got advice from functional vets, like throughout the country, built this big program. And so this morning I woke up cuddled up with my dog uh-huh. in my new place. And then I sit here looking at you and I think, I don't even know if my, my dog uh-huh. would be alive if you hadn't found a way to help his um, nebulous autoimmune disorder uh, get back That was a tricky control. one, yeah. It was, it was tricky. really tricky. And um, I'm just stoked that he's here. I mean... <laughs> And, yeah. and healthy and looking good and feeling good. Yeah, yeah. we all are. I mean, he's, he's looking great. He had gotten to a point where he couldn't even digest proteins at all. And, and dogs, was, all they eat, essentially, is protein. So this is a yeah. problem. So right? he was starving to death while his body filled with fluid. Sorry, I don't want to. No, it's okay. People aren't no, interested it's okay. in my horrible. Well, I think <laughs> it's important to know what, what, can, yeah. what can happen. You know, dogs get sick. Sometimes yeah. people don't. Vets, doctors, whoever, sometimes they're not trained in the nutrition aspect. And really, that's a lot of what this was, was finding the proper nutrition and how to help his body deal with the nutrition. Absolutely. Right? And so it's it's okay, but we we have to seek advice and seek people who know. And some people know different things. Well, and I mean, one of my closest friends is my dog's vet, and she... We don't really have all the answers or know what's happening. I was like, should I just go with Nikki? And she was like, yeah, see what Nikki has to say because we don't quite know what to do about this. Um, but either way, he's healthy and happy and bouncing around and barking at things and chasing balls. And so that's what I'm grateful for this morning. Is my and little Boone room. was a rescue. So rescue. Yep. Rescue's yeah, good. trauma yeah. therapist gets a traumatized dog. Yeah, of course you do. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, did you choose the most traumatized dog you could find just shaking in the corner? And the answer is, yeah, that's who I took home. <laughs> of course you did, you know. That's okay, it's good. I'm trying to get my Facebook working here, and it's not working, so that's, that's okay. I feel like that happened the last time we tried to do something with this dog. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. All right, yeah? That yeah. You're I mean, I'm... In, I'm grateful for so many other things, but I know yeah. life is life is you know we have a lot of craziness now, and so to focus on the things that are not crazy, the things that we're grateful for. This is what you know. These are the things. If we all start to focus on the positive and what we have, and not all of the craziness, maybe we can start to bring ourselves out of the craziness. Sure. Right. I mean, that would be my hope, and maybe it's a little you know out there, and um, you know. People are like, oh, whatever, you know. But I think it's true. If we were all to make a concerted effort to just work on yourself yeah. and work on what you need and work on what is you're happy with and what you have around you, sure. I think that it could make huge change. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been really impressed with the resilience of my clients through this period of time. Interesting. Um, and. Mm-hmm. You know, some people are just really struggling, and this is something that they're not able to work with particularly well. But others have taken advantage of the time to turn inward, to work on projects, mm-hmm. to be contemplative, to assess what really matters in their lives in big ways where I don't know um, if all the distractions of movie theaters and going around and mm-hmm. work and constantly doing, if that hadn't been removed, I don't know if people would be getting down to some of this you know, just deeper internal work. So yeah. that's, that's something to be grateful for, too. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, it, it's it's interesting. There was, um, as all the craziness of COVID started, you know, we've kind of gone beyond that a little bit now, but with, um, you know, I, 
it was either people took the time to do what you said and really yeah. work on themselves because what else is there to do? The only other thing to do is to drink and eat your face off, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and people go back and forth. It's, some it's of them. true. <laughs> it's true. And so <laughs> probably working on yourself and eating well and doing all of these things is going to be better than eating and drinking your face off. But people sure. deal with things so differently. I heard both. I'm like, okay, you know, let's work on that. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was the major resurgence of the American cocktail hour, like yeah. the 1950s. Like, it's 5 o'clock. Let's it's get on true. and, like, shake up a martini. <laughs> Um, and yeah, mm, I that did that. Nice. I did that for like one week and was like, "This is gonna turn yeah, into a bad might habit." Be a problem. We're gonna call it sober, like yes. six months for you know. <laughs> it is. It's it's a uh, it's interesting yeah. the way people deal with seclusion. It's kind of what it sure was and still sort of yeah. is is the seclusion. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I think let's uh, let's just start jumping into you know. Why you're here, not why you're oh. here, you know, you're here because I love you here? and I think that you should be in, um, but it's because of, of who you are, what you do, what yeah. you're about, your motivations, you know, what brought sure. you to this place where you are now. Um, and then we'll start getting into all of the juicy fun stuff. Okay. By the way, yeah. I spent the week with family and the, the teenagers, the word is juicy. Oh yeah. That's the word. And so I just, I'm cool. I, I love the word juicy. I like this, you know, part of narrative therapy, which is the work that I do, is finding more exciting novel language uh -huh. instead of using this medical pathologizing kind of thin language. So, yeah, I like what's juicy, what's exciting. I love it. I love you know, it. Like, is that delicious, the way you're living your life? So, yeah. Good yeah. Stuff. Young people have it, have it nailed down on this one. They do. Okay, so what do you do? Oh, and what, what brought you here? Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about narrative therapy and just sure. just yeah, have fun with it. Yeah, well I have <laughs> conversations for a living. Look at this. Oh. Lowry's <laughs> calling. So, so my husband's I'm... calling. He doesn't realize I'm um <laughs> let's decline that one. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Yeah. I probably shouldn't be so real on here. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think there's ever a problem with being real. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's you know, tying into what I do, I think that's what I bring <laughs> yeah. to therapy is there's an Which is old awesome. story of a therapist as an expert sitting there. Well, how does that make you feel? Well, why are you interested in this? And there's a place for that, and it's wonderful, but that's not my gift mm -hmm. in this world. Um, so just showing up and bringing <clears throat> humor and um, myself and my experiences uh, as I think my style of therapy Um yeah, I mean, beyond that, it's always weird to know, like, where to start? What do I do? Um, yeah, well, I would say, you know, what, for one, I, I kind of want to take a step back in, in what I, again, yeah. I mean, I just keep appreciating you, but I do appreciate you. But <laughs> sure. there are people who are just here in the world who are brought to, to serve and are really sure. fulfilling their purpose. And so with that being said, what what brought you to this point? You know, you're a super yeah. outdoorsy person. You've done tons sure. of traveling. You have lots of experiences. And now you're a narrative therapist. So what sure. kind of brought you to this point? When What brought you to narrative therapy? Because probably there are a lot of people who haven't heard of narrative therapy. Oh, absolutely. Um, well, I mean, I guess a good place to start would be that I emerged from a lot of darkness. I had a significant amount of trauma, addiction, just sort of volatile behavior that characterized the early parts of my life, like into 
um, you know, early, mid-adult. Um, and so I think that journey led me to become a seeker. At that point, you look for what works, how do I change this, how can I possibly live in this world because it feels like a bad fit. Um, like mm-hmm. me and my nervous mm-hmm. system, which is highly sensitive. Um, yeah, it all just felt like this is this is really hard mm-hmm. to be a person in this mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, at the same time, I worked as a social worker and then I did, you know, work with people with developmental disabilities. And then I moved um, to Nepal and spent time doing, you know, contracting and service work and education. And all of that led me to a point where I wanted to find something that actually worked to help people. I saw all these things not working. Mm-hmm. I saw people just suffering. Um, and so I went to graduate school to become a counselor um, and didn't really know a lot about what that was going to look like. And when I was in school, I became, you know, pretty quickly, um, you know, frustrated, disappointed, disenchanted with the current model of having conversations. There was all kinds of research that was really showing that a lot of therapy just like doesn't even work. <laughs> you know, a lot yeah. of these practices mm-hmm. that we have that we've been engaging with for years, they aren't necessarily super effective. Mm-hmm. Um, people come and sit in private rooms and have conversations where they hash out the same things over and over again, looking backwards to their childhoods, and that can be useful for some people. Um, and also, there's a lot of people who are just sitting here and they have problems today, mm-hmm. um, and they're trapped in cultures or situations, environments, relationships that just don't work for them. Yeah. Um, and so I found narrative therapy was sort of almost like a, there was a girl I was in class with and she was like, hey, you know, here's this book. Um, <laughs> you know, like, I can see this isn't working for you. Like, check this out. Wow, um, cool. And yeah, and then there were a few of us and we got together and we were reading narrative therapy, um, which is a kind of radical way to look at therapy that emerged out of social work in Australia. This guy who I'm totally obsessed with, uh, unfortunately he's passed away now, but Michael White he saw a lot of the same things that I saw, which were putting people in these private rooms and diagnosing them with disorders um, isn't working for mm-hmm. a lot of people. You know, he worked with indigenous people in Australia and with, you know, just a lot of people from different cultures, and this didn't make sense. And so he created a new kind of therapy that um, is centered around a few tenets. Um, people aren't problems. Problems are problems. I love that. Yeah. Wow, yeah. That, that's like, <laughs> holy smokes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, people are people. Yeah. Um, yeah. With unique sets of skills, abilities, wisdoms, histories, mm-hmm. resiliencies, and they have problems sometimes. Yeah. Um, but looking at a person as fundamentally broken uh, is maybe not super useful. Right, right, um, yeah. And so, you know, also he talked about there aren't true and untrue stories, which is kind of, you know, you sit here talking about truth, but Mm -hmm. it's like, what is that? If I say Mm -hmm. you're depressed, you have X, Y, and Z, um, is that true? It's one story about what's happening. Sure. Um, Well, and I, yes. And and so just, just for a little bit of clarity, um, that this is where I, this is why I don't do things so Therapy is not as tangible as like biochemistry, right? Yeah, which is why she shines here because yeah, there's this is why you know narrative therapy. You know, you tell yourself a story. Well, let's change that story, 
and let's look at it in a different way, which is beautiful. Whereas, and I'm like, she's helped me. I'm getting chills. You know, she's helped me look at things in different ways. I'm like, okay, you know, I need that in my sure. brain. I think we all do. Yeah. Whereas for me, when I talk truth, it's really a lot about the, you know, it's, it's science, it's biochemistry, it's data and this kind of stuff. And therapy has data and science. But then, yeah, what is the truth that you're telling yourself? And then what yeah. is what is maybe the truth that could be or should be? Is that a way well, of... Is most useful. I think no. that's what I like to go okay. to. Is like yeah. there's, you know, if we imagine um, biochemistry, mm-hmm. there are pretty good ways to measure the data that's coming in. And we can right. take it down to small mm-hmm. data sets. Like right. here are these proteins or these, I mean, I'm not going to talk your <laughs> right, science, right, right, but yeah. here are these and we can look at them. Mm-hmm. When we look at our lives and our relationships and our patterns... The data set is too big to draw yeah. meaningful, truthful, objective conclusions. Radical empiricism doesn't work for people's right, lives. Right. Um, because if you imagine every moment of my life, every thought, every feeling I have, I've got a data set that's not particularly analyzable. No. You know, and it's yours. It's nobody else's. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, the problem in most people's lives, I think, comes in because naturally we do make patterns out of that. I'm going to take... Mm-hmm all of these moments in my life and I'm going to use whatever framework somebody's given me to pull out a story. Um, so maybe I've got a time that I, you know, that my mom said, um, are you sure you need seconds? Um, or that somebody, you know, if we're looking at food or that, you know, I heard mm-hmm. that it's really bad to eat too much sugar and blueberries have sugar in them. <laughs> um, right. Or that, yeah. you know, I really need to eat a low fat diet or something, all these data mm-hmm. points. And I'm going to think about moments when I couldn't fit into a skirt or moments when got really good feedback on my body and I'm going to take all of those and create one story, which might be, I'm fat and nobody loves me. Mm-hmm. Um, or it might mean, which is just a common story we see people finding. There are it's actually sad a lot that that's of, a common story. It's really it's sad. Yeah. And there are a lot of other data mm-hmm. points. There mm-hmm. are data points when my body really felt good and supported, or I went and climbed a mountain and it felt incredible. She's climbed a lot of mountains. I've climbed a lot of and they mostly felt incredible yeah and a couple felt awful (laughs) it happens (laughs) but that's sort of what narrative therapy is it allows us to go through and parse out what kind of story do I want to have um and then we pull out things and they're true it's not like I'm making up some fake story being like oh it's all some (laughs) sunshine and roses it's saying okay we've got all these things they're all true, um, but they're competing with each other, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so we get to reauthor that and change. And I reauthor that, I like that. <laughs> and I always uh, tell people I have a bias for empowering stories. Um, I'm not coming in as a neutral agent. Like a lot of therapists mm-hmm. want to be in a space of complete neutrality. Yeah, I'm saying we've got all these things that are true. Let's pick the stuff that feels best. Yeah, <laughs> why not? I like it. So I think that's like yeah. a probably too in-depth background on narrative No, therapy. no. I think that it's important. I think it's an important thing yeah. to understand and why it's imp- why your work is important and why some there are a lot of people out there who don't know what it is and how beneficial it can be. Sure. Um, which is why I want you here because more people need to know. <laughs> of course, she's super busy. So 
<laughs> but I mean, I don't know. Busyness again, like that's sort of a cultural story. That's like uh, I'm so busy, which makes me morally good or something. Like, well, am I that busy? I just you have I'm, you have <laughs> a lot of clients because you do a great job. I, is I do. What I mean, I'm, I'm lucky to have wonderful people working mm -hmm. with me. I do actually have space in my practice right now because I had four incredible people that I've been working with get to a point where we sat there and we're like there aren't really these problems That's affecting amazing. your life anymore. Isn't that great? Um, which is mm -hmm. the goal. You want to be working yeah. people out of therapy and getting mm -hmm. them connected with like what we would call native resources, like the wisdoms in their own community. Like why awesome, come and yeah. pay me mm -hmm. when you can go talk to, you know, an aunt that really knows a lot. Yeah. Um, so either way, it's been wonderful to slowly transition out some long-term clients and now be able to take some new yeah, people on. Yeah, yeah. Whatever that's, that's going to look like. Good. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I think we're going to do a quick stop, and yeah. um, we're going to talk about the people who support the show. Awesome. So, um, so a company that I really appreciate is a company called Rightful. They're a supplement company. Um, and so they're a liquid supplement, and they're for pain management. So the main component in, in it, they've got a little CBD. Um, they've got some, but it's turmeric is the big one. Um, but then they've got some uh, some uh, adrenal supportive herbs sure. and some adapt, you know, adaptogens as well yeah. as um, for the evening some passion flower for sleep, and in the morning, you know, things to help yeah. you focus. And so it's a it's a it's a they started out as pain management, and pain management clinics are using their products because they're working so well. Which I is gave it to my amazing. father. This that's right. That's right. I knew that. You knew yeah. that before I did. Yeah. We, yeah. we used this product, mm -hmm. and it was helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it is one of those things that you have to use for a period of time for it to, to notice a difference. So could it be two weeks? Could it be two months? It depends on your body, right? Sure. Um, but it is a great product. For me, I don't have pain really but I have focus issues and I talk mm. about this a lot so okay. my I'm working on my brain I'm working on focus for myself sure. and this is a product that um, I love because it does help me to, to focus because yeah. I can just kind of jump all over the place and then I get, it makes me crazy and I'm getting much better about that um, because it's been a focus yeah. for me to focus right <laughs> Anyway, a great company. They're doing the right things. Um, and uh, if you want to try them out, which I think you should, um, you're going to get a better deal if you do monthly shipments. But um, you go to, to rightful.com. See right here? Put in code TLN20 for a pretty significant discount. So uh, jump in, try them out. Good stuff. Um, great company, good people. And let's move on into some fun stuff. Um, let's yeah. talk. Yes. Now we're going to get into the juicy stuff. <laughs> so the goal of this is to, we have, I think, multiple goals, really. I know that we both have things that we want to talk about, but we really want to talk about, and I'm using your words here, but the intersection of nutrition and mental health. Yeah. Where they come together, do they come together? I think we can all agree that, yes, yeah. they do come together. Um, I'm curious about what you see in practice, and then we want to move into, you know, what what it what it looks like when when it intersects and what we can do and um, you know talking about our body and our body's wisdom and yeah. things that we've lost and things that we can try to bring back and so those are kind of the the juicy yeah. things that we want to dig into but <laughs> what do you see in practice when you're working with people sure as far as nutrition is concerned and mental health I know that these things yeah. come up in oh. your consultations I mean I think mm -hmm. in every 
people's relationship with food in a broad way is going to be either supportive or problematic for mm -hmm. their mental health. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes what we see <laughs> is that honestly, um, people will come in for mental health concerns and that's not really what the problem is. The problem is, like, are you anxious? Yeah, you drink four cups of coffee a day. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Or are you experiencing a lot of these um, sort of ups and downs throughout the day? Like, it's really if we can get your blood sugar regulated. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. it can be a challenge um, to look at uh, and staying in your own lane as a mental health provider, but also mm -hmm. looking at are you eating the right foods is this just of your brain isn't getting the right food and so right. it's acting oddly mm -hmm. situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I'd say that's one of the first things when people come in and talk about anxiety, sleep, um, or really sort of instability and frustration and irritation. Mm -hmm. If those are some presenting concerns, one of the very first things I'll ask is, what's your caffeine intake look? What are you eating? What is your relationship with food like? Um, yeah. And one of the biggest pieces of <laughs> advice or things that people find profoundly helpful in therapy is just, I'll be like, eat food. Uh-huh. Um, Real food. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Eat mm -hmm. food. I always like Michael Pond's like, eat food, mostly plants, not too much. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. <laughs> or something. Yep. But mm -hmm. really, eat food. And are you eating some proteins and fats? Like, some really mm -hmm. low-level, like, Nikki's, like up here and this stuff is down here can be transformative for people because mm -hmm. people just don't know if I've got a little bit of mood instability I probably need to be making sure I've got mm -hmm. snacks yeah I think I think that's a really good point and one of the things that you know with with the sort of the people that we both surround yeah. ourselves with because you're a, an amazing referral source for people sure. for whether it's practitioners or for patients clients yeah depending um and so <laughs> I almost missed um, <laughs> Where are we at here? Bodies are weird. <laughs> I swear. Um, <laughs> so I think, though, what we all do, I think as practitioners, at least the, the practitioners that I know and, and that are around me yeah. and appreciate, is we, we stay in our lane, but we go out of it a little bit to get the, get more information sure. because we have to look at it as a holistic approach you know Absolutely. people don't just have mental health problems people don't just have food problems or deficiencies and people don't just have you know broken bones or yeah. crooked backs and necks and these kinds of things there's so many things that are all wound yeah. together it's like looking you know when you know in allopathic medicine this is not a bad thing necessarily but you know very much taught especially for specialists to look sure. at just one thing they have blinders on I'm looking at this we're going to do this but we don't it's a lot of times not looked at how it, what the downstream effects might be. Okay. And so we want to do our best to look at it holistically and then say, okay, here's my lane, but what I know is you need to go see Sarah or yeah. you need to go see someone else or, yeah. or vice versa. You need versa, to go right? see Nikki. Like, right. These are complicated concerns. Yeah, like, yeah. Just, and so yeah. I think it's an important thing. And, you know, you, you mostly stay in your lane because that's what you you know you do what you know but yeah. then knowing where to go with that yeah is a huge benefit to to people and you know to my clients you know Sarah can't ever tell me who comes to see her but they come to me <laughs> and they're like we love Sarah <laughs> that's sweet that's sweet it's always she's so secretive I mean, I'm bound by, like, a pretty intense license and some laws that are, like, pretty overwhelming. Um, but, yeah. yeah. I mean, what percentage of the people that you work with would you say 
have, you know, when they're talking about some of the problems that are influencing them, have things like anxiety, restlessness, frustration, like things that would traditionally be called mental health concerns mm -hmm. as part of what they're consulting you for. 75%. That's what, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe 100 you yeah. know, I mean, I mean, <laughs> probably by the time. Well, some of that might just come out of because I've got other health concerns. It's creating right. some you know, right. frustration, worry, sure. those kind of things. Yeah. But yeah, it becomes this chicken and the egg proposition where we Very have much. to tease out um, like, are you having some concerns and worries? And then they're making your body go. You know, yeah, um, or is your body you like understand it, and so you're frustrated all the time. Yeah, yeah, it's true, it's true, and it, yeah. it is a hard one to to figure it out and understand, which is why, as practitioners, you know, we dig. I mean, we yeah. always have to dig, and if we're not digging enough, we're not finding, doing our best to find what the underlying cause or multiple causes yeah. might be. Sure, um, then we just spin our wheels. Yep, we can mm -hmm. totally spin our wheels. And I definitely, I think I've been guilty of this, especially earlier in my career, where I've worked with people and you want to, you learn a lot in grad school and you're looking at like the trauma or the relationship or and we just keep spinning and spinning our wheels and my clients are not getting better. And then all of a sudden it'll occur to me, oh, like, should you go talk to a nutritionist? Like, <laughs> oh, like, yeah. is it, have mm -hmm. I missed some big that you've been coming in with a monster every single session? Um, and I wasn't paying attention to that. I wasn't tuned in because I've gotten too focused um, in my idea of conversations and culturally constructed problems and things like this. Like we're overlooking um, some fundamental nervous system mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a really good point. Um, so, oh, real quick, just so you know, this is KUHS Denver streaming live. It's very Woo. important to say, I know. <laughs> we are one of the top stations in the country. So, um, and we, I just learned last time I was okay. in two weeks ago that we're hitting 96,000 people, just this show. Are you kidding? <laughs> I now feel a little. And that's yeah. a month, but yes, 96,000 people. How cool is that? Yeah, <laughs> sure. Like, there's I not know. just like Lowry watching at home. And <laughs> I know, it's interesting, huh? Yeah. So, but, uh, so yeah, it's really, that that's, it's why this is so fun yeah. because we really have a reach sure. and we want to, you know, we want to get the good stuff out there. Yeah. I want to get the good stuff out there. I think me too. Yeah. yeah I'll yeah, share yeah, that yeah. call with you. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, and Henry is uh, the amazing guy back behind who's the one who always tells me what to do when I'm not doing yeah. something properly. Thank you, um, Henry. <laughs> so let's get into, um, I kind of want to get into to food and, uh, yeah. you know, food and mental and emotional health, um, you know, things like, you know, you talk about, you know, the way we're set up for life sometimes. Yeah. Um, and culturally, the way we're set up for life and fam familially, yeah. <laughs> the way we're Nailing it. <laughs> set up for life, you know, things like, and this was a discussion that we had, things like, yeah, you have to clean your plate. What is, what do you, had you, how often do you deal with something like that? Or is it more of an overarching, just, that's just what everybody, you know, told yeah. their kids to do when we were growing up? Sure. Well, I mean, I think, like, a lot of this curiosity has come from me both clinically and I didn't mention earlier, but it's an important part of who I am and what I do is that I'm a, you know, secular Buddhist practitioner. I do a lot of mindfulness work and also um, sort of neuropsychology-based, you know, nervous system regulation. And so what you see is, 
people have really destructive relationships with food. Mm -hmm. Um, People have um, all these stories about how they're supposed to eat and what they're supposed to eat and where they're supposed to eat. And so my question that I'm still asking and grappling with Mm -hmm. is, why is it hard to mindfully eat? You know, we, right now people be like, oh, you got to mindfully eat, like sit there and see what your body wants. <laughs> Why can't we do that? Because our bodies are built for that. Our bodies like are built for that. That's what we're supposed to do, right? We've totally lost it. Yeah. Um, it well, say totally. <laughs> a lot of it we've lost. Yeah. I don't ever want to say 100% of anything. But it is a, it's, it's yeah. difficult because I talk about this a lot when I, when I speak, you sure. know, and I think it kind of goes back to, um, or, or part of it anyway, is yeah. when we feel pain, fatigue, brain fog, uh, GI symptoms, whatever it is, there's this, I need to go get a pill. And so we don't listen to what it, because what, what is it? You've heard, if you've watched the show, you heard me say it, your body's going, Hey, something's up. Yeah. It's knocking on your door going, this is, this is a symptom. It's, and it's been going on for probably a while. Yeah. And you've, it's hit the point to where there's a, a, a cell danger response. And so that cell oh, danger okay. response is essentially symptoms. Your body's done. It's like, I need you to do something. I need you to do it quickly mm-hmm. because I can't do this on my own anymore. You know, the body, sure. you know, kind of like an airplane, there are lots of redundancies, you know, yeah. the plane doesn't want to crash. The body doesn't want to crash, but in time it will because the redundancy is run yeah. out. And so that's when we have the symptoms, which then lead to dis-ease right disease yeah and so we have come to a point and I think it's I think it's very socially uh provoked I don't know if that's the right word necessarily but it's 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 just a lifetime of getting away from from the earth and getting away from um you know coming into the industrial revolution and moving in 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 medicine medicine very important we have to have good yeah. medicine, and sure. we, drugs are important too. But we've come to depend only on a pill, whether it's for I have brain yeah. fog, I have anxiety, I have sure. depression, I have trauma, I have, you know, whatever the case may be, I have to go to the doctor and I have to get a pill. And we don't sit back and think, why am I hungry? Why am I craving this? Why do I feel bad? Why do I have yeah. brain fog? Why, 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 why? This is a question to always, always ask, and I'll say it a million times and a million times more. Yeah. Ask why, no matter what it is. Uh, Amber, um, so our friend Amber, the acupuncturist yeah. who is on, or Chinese medical doctor. <laughs> she, she, was on, she does so much yeah, more I know, than she's I know. not just putting needles on people. <laughs> exactly. And we, we share a clinic. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but she said, you know, it's, it's that childhood, why, 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 why? And I love that because it's yeah. true. Don't stop asking why. If you have a pain, sure. okay, well, um, I have an ache, why? Well, because my belly hurts, why? Well, there's infection, why? Well, what's causing the infection, why? Well, it's leaky yeah. gut, why? Why is there <laughs> leaky gut, why, right? I mean, you can go and go and go and go and go. Yeah. And it's important because that's what we do, yeah. and that's why we dig. But what I want you to do is not just say, okay, well, I just need Prozac, or okay, I just need an, an ibuprofen sure. or a, a whatever. Yeah. So that was a long way of saying we have lost touch with our bodies. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think what, what I'm exploring now and what a lot of research is also exploring now is, like, where does that begin? Mm-hmm. And we can, there's, 
again, there's so much data and it's too complicated. There's mm -hmm. our whole culture, there's media, but you know, I think in childhood, there's this beginning time when we begin to be told, don't listen to your body. You cannot trust your body. You instead oh. have to trust me, your parent, your authority mm -hmm. figure, your teacher, um, because I know better mm -hmm. about what your body needs. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, we see, I think we've talked a little bit about this, like you need to finish everything on your plate, um, which then, after even a short period of time, shuts off our ability to feel fullness. Mm -hmm. um, because why would yep. why would your body still be telling you when you feel full if you're not listening to mm -hmm. it? Mm -hmm. It's just gonna make you uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, and these are hormones, right? Um, yeah. They're oh. they're messengers. So sure. leptin is the hormone that tells you when you're full. Yeah, and we can have what's called leptin resistance. Now, do we have it as children? I would tell you that we're seeing it more and more and more and more as yeah. we have children who are getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And part of it's due to eating everything on their plate, big plate, part of it's supersizing, part of it's cultural, this crazy supersized culture that we're living in. Mm -hmm. Part of it is this crazy sugar processed food culture that we yeah. live in. So there are multiple reasons, but there are, and there are multiple things, including stress sure. that turn, um, that, so leptin make, makes you feel hungry. And then there's a hormone called ghrelin yeah. that makes you feel full. I backwards on that you do that all the time um so, so if you're leptin resistant if you're leptin resistant then you don't know that you're full because your leptin okay. leptin which is created by fat cells is not signaling and you're or you're not listening or sure. it's just not working and i you can you can see this in labs yeah um you can measure leptin i've ne never seen ghrelin i don't i've never seen i looked and yeah i can't find ghrelin don't know why but we can see leptin resistance and there we can fix it there are great ways of fixing it. It's not always easy, but sure. we can. But sorry, I'm just. Yeah, da, 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 da. But it's not. It but it's, people aren't born with this. No, like, this is something that's happening as a result it's of lifestyle right, of behavior mm -hmm. changing the body. Because mm -hmm. yeah. the body's pretty adaptive, right? I think it's mm -hmm. it's the smartest and dumbest machine ever created. <laughs> it's like I how I like that. to talk to my clients about the body. You know, uh -huh. it's like this totally elegant piece of um, you know electrical, mechanical, biological engineering uh, that yeah. is ha was also trained during a time when we were running from saber toothed tigers, so it can be kind of dumb. Mm -hmm. um, so it's got this complicated, yeah. beautiful leptin, and what was the other Graylin. one? System? Graylin system. Yeah. Um, if you want to look yet, it up, it's G H R E L I N. Okay. Just so yeah. you know, it's good stuff. And yet they can get short circuited by just a simple mom mm -hmm. sitting there and being like, you have to eat everything on your plate. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing I'd love to share about is there's tons of research coming out from the National Institute of Health, from all sorts of places that's getting replicated that shows that the more parents restrict access to foods for children, um, the more likely it is that those children will struggle with their weight, um, the more likely they are to crave and seek out the restricted mm -hmm. foods. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they, uh, what's, they talk about the language in some of these studies is like that highly controlling people's food intake inadvertently inhibits their ability to control their preferences. Um, That's amazing. And so mm -hmm. there's, you know, comes this moment, and I, I mean, I get it. If you're like, you can't have any cocktails, Sarah, I'll be, go get home and be like, now I'm going to have a cocktail, have cocktail. Maybe, you know? <laughs> <laughs> now that you're not watching me, <laughs> right, you right. know, like I'm going to eat those Cheetos uh -huh. or whatever yeah. it is. Mm -hmm. And so, that you know, they're seeing it again in, 
across studies in so many different ways that the more we would try to restrict or control or tell children how to eat, and that includes telling them you have to eat all this broccoli, you have to eat all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and pe- parents are yeah. still doing it. Oh, we see it sure. all the time. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm not a parent. So, me either. Let's talk. Let's be two people without kids telling people how to yeah. parent their children. I love <laughs> right, that. I right. do it all the time at work. <laughs> well, but you also know the psychological aspect of it, yeah. right? And so we, it, there is to to push that. Yeah. I think can be psychologically damaging in a sense, and sure. then which becomes then biologically damaging. Yeah. Well, and mm-hmm. it's. I mean, I think the more we short circuit with these messages, you know, you've got a child here who's got a system that's perfect in place, maybe not on all kids, but for the most part, you're coming into this world with mm-hmm. this system that's made Pretty to perfect. help you feel yeah. full and then eat when you're hungry, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, you come into a world that says snack time is at 2 o'clock. No, yeah. you can't have a snack at 1 o'clock when your body says so. You have to wait. Um, or no, you can't do this or that. And, you know, I see that as like a first step and then it's happening throughout the lifetime. Yeah, yeah, and I think it probably just kind of snowballs. I think so. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, because once you begin those uh, systems of craving um, and those systems of not knowing Mm -hmm. what's going on, Mm -hmm. um, I think, I don't know, I'm trying to find the right words for it, but your relationship with food has become adversarial um, rather than collaborative. That's a great way of putting it. You know, and it's another thing I'll, I'll... say periodically is you know with food foods is amazing food is amazing because I just it's just so much fun because we look at it we either have a really amazing relationship with it we have a terrible relationship with it or it's fun it's social we see it as everything all of these things except for what it is which is communication so language is, or language, food is a language. And food yeah. is what tells our body what to do. And so my hope is that if we see it as what it is and, and take the relationship out of it, you know, when I talk to people about this, you know, sometimes, not all the time, but there's yeah. the light bulb that goes off and, or goes on. <laughs> like it like goes off, it explodes <laughs> into light. Perfect, sure. perfect, thank you. See, switching the words, it's good. <laughs> Switching the story. Um, But using food or seeing food as a language in the way that it communicates um, and gives directions to our body. So if we're eating food that is clean, that is from the earth, um, this is sending a clean, clear line of communication to our cells, like directly to our cells and to our DNA. And then our body's like, okay, I got it. I know what to do. And things, yeah. things tend to work properly, right? I mean, there are lots of other factors involved. Sure. Um, but if we're eating unhealthy foods, processed foods, foods with, um, you know, the toxic glyphosate and uh, pesticides and all of these different things, the body becomes confused. And so, yeah. you know, jumping around a little bit, but that's when the body becomes confused. That's when it starts to send out those cell danger Signals, right? Yeah. It's called cell danger response, but it's those signals that are saying, "Hey, there's something up, and I need you to tell sure. me what to do because right now I don't know what to do." Yeah. Um, and so, seeing it, you know, my hope is for for some that, you know, again, many factors involved, but seeing it for what it is and not seeing it as the enemy, 
right? Um, and then, you know, hopefully starting to create that, that relationship with it with, with help. You know, there are always, sure. other, again, other factors, but it's an understanding that it's not the enemy. It's really yeah. there for all of the good things. We just need, it's, it's learning what our body needs because we're unique. I'm unique from you. You're unique from everybody else. My body needs different things than everybody else in the world. Yeah. Right? I mean, just because I need a certain amount of protein, you might need more protein. You yeah. might need less protein, right? And I might need more protein in the spring and less protein in the fall or more yeah. protein when I'm 30 Absolutely. and less protein when I'm 60. I don't Absolutely. <laughs> the body's dynamic and it yeah. changes. And that's why um, it's such a beautiful thing. And, you know, so bringing together the physical, the mental, and the sure. emotional is an important part of, well, one just living a full healthy life yeah <laughs> um but creating that relationship and yeah. then learning to listen well and that's you know that's sort of what I'm really curious about at this point because I love your approach Nikki I think it's so helpful um Nikki actually like helped me lose like 35 40 pounds and like one year when I had gotten really out of control in my relationship with food. And it then, happens. happens to the best of us. Yeah, but I don't think most people have results like that and then sort of stay stabilized out um, in general with any kinds of other programs. So, you know, um, yeah, do these supplements work with Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, like, promise me, like, you'll lose 40 pounds, yeah, I mean, but, you know, but you'll feel better. Yeah, yeah. well, there was, that was amazing. Yeah, good stuff. But I mean, the question becomes, because I love this approach, and also one of the things I see a lot with my clients who begin to really want to change their pattern of eating and change their relationship with food is that often they will know what to do. They get great advice from somebody Mm -hmm. like you. They, you know, get there, not that there's anybody like you, Um, but you know, they get out there and know what to do and then they just aren't able to stick to it or the anxiety Mm -hmm. around what to eat begins to take over their lives. Like I've worked with people Mm -hmm. who then are spending three or four hours a day and becoming totally stressed out because they drank a glass of wine when they weren't supposed to or something. And so, you know, at what point does, you know, eating like healthy become the new restrictive eating for children? Mm -hmm. And how do people learn to manage really listening, really mindfully eating, while integrating all of this full science and the things that they've learned from, mm-hmm. um, you know, modern nutrition. That's yeah. Issue. So I'm like, give me the answer oh, to that man. question. Yeah, I think I think there there are probably a lot of there are a lot of different yeah. answers for a lot of different people. Sure. Right. And so this is where, yeah, because we can you know somebody can come to me and they're totally on board and they take it to an extreme, um, and yeah. those are though people who have a tendency to be an extreme personality and there are a lot of those and that's great you know they're those super type a's they build businesses and they do all of these things um (laughs) um but you know there are that's that's why we have guidance and that's you know i have um i have you to send people to i have a health coach that works with me because it's true the mental and the emotional piece of of balance yeah. is it can be difficult because some people sure. don't understand where that balance is and it's going to be different for everybody. But yeah. you, you, but sometimes, I mean, we don't want to take food restriction to, a, to an extreme. Food restriction can be a good thing, 
um, for some people, and I don't think for children, right, as adults, <laughs> not for children, let's not restrict food from children, um, give them choices, lots of choices of good, healthy food. Yeah, and right? then and let I, them eat it. All the research shows give them tons of food and then let them graze and eat and stop eating when they say they're full, and mm -hmm. they might not eat as the food that you want them to because they have palates that are not super interested mm -hmm. in bitter or, you know, a lot mm -hmm. of different flavors. Yeah. So maybe they just want a yam one day and... That's fine. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah, good. but for adults, yeah, I mean, I hear it and it's mm -hmm. been true. And also, there's this idea of where, how do I, on the one hand, listen deeply to my body and get to that, you know, below the surface where my body's like, give me coffee and sugar and tons of ice cream. Mm -hmm. But like underneath that, like my body is saying, like, this is what I need right now while also having this story that's like, hey, you need to do this and this and this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I think there's got to be a place for it. Um, well, it's an interesting thing. Um, you know, things like cravings and the body's wisdom, but sure. then our own brain and our own past, what that puts on top of that. Yeah. Right? And so, and that's another place of... And it, I'm, you know, it's this isn't a, it's it's it, something that changes every, you know, the next day. You know, it's everything is no. a practice, right? Yeah. What we do is a practice, sure. and I'm always practicing listening to my body, and I'm not great at it, and I've been doing it for years, right? Yeah. But um, it's it is a practice of daily. If I'm craving sugar. Why are you craving sugar? There's yeah. something that the body's lacking. It's not sugar, probably, but it's it could be, it could be that you need a boost in serotonin yeah. or dopamine. Yeah, right. Well, I think we often see that people, um, again, the brain is stupid and smart, and mm -hmm. so when it gets to a point where it doesn't have enough, you know, sort of simple sugars are what it functions on, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so it says. I don't have everything I need to create the neurotransmitters and to mm -hmm. get through the day. What's the fastest, quickest thing yeah. I can do, even if it's not sustainable? It's mm -hmm. not going to sit there and be like, let me think out the next 12 right. hours. Right. It's like, need food now. Sugar is the mm -hmm. fastest way to jumpstart yeah. this. Yeah. Um, and it will work for 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. And so so coming, getting to the point, which is a practice, of... Of, of starting to listen and understand, okay, but I need sugar, but what do, what do I need? I need to go, Yeah. I need to grab some food, but have sure. healthy food, and this, I'm making it simplistic. I'm not trying to make it simplistic, right? Yeah. But, you know, have healthy food in the house, have healthy food in the office, have snacks sure. when you need them, um, and, and, and learn, try to start to listen and, and understand, okay, my body really doesn't want a Snickers yeah. bar. It doesn't yeah. want a Snickers bar, but it needs food it needs sure something you know maybe it's deficiency maybe there's a magnesium deficiency um maybe yeah. if you don't eat protein maybe your neurotransmitters you're not making the neurotransmitters you need because you're not eating protein or not eating enough protein because yeah. proteins break down to amino acids which which make neurotransmitters um i have to take a break before i forget yes um so henry has been taking care of me and he had um, Zymogen up behind us for <laughs> for a while, and I was like, I just want to keep talking, but this is <laughs> another um, another one of our our great sponsors oh, yeah. is Zymogen, and Zymogen is an ama another amazing company, um, and kind enough to sponsor the show. But um, they have a whole line of 
products that are that are for all kinds of different bodies and people and needs and organ systems. Um, the one thing that I want to say is just don't go purchase a bunch of supplements thinking you need a bunch of supplements, yeah. right? And supplements can be really healthy and they also can create more problems. So you got to know what your body needs. Mm-hmm. But Zymogen is a great company to that I use. They have data. They do the research. They don't put stuff out there if it's not top of the line. Um, you cannot get them, and I say this all the time because it's so important. You cannot get them on eBay or Amazon, and you don't want to get yeah. these. You don't want to get supplements, any supplements from anywhere off of eBay or Amazon sure. because the data shows that it's not the same. It could be expired. It could be sawdust. Um, it's scary yeah. stuff, right? And there are there are studies that show this. So. Um, we want, I will only, as best I can, promote the companies and you promote, I, it's not really promote, it's use yeah. the companies and the products sure. that I think are going to be the best for my clients because if my clients aren't getting results, then that doesn't do anybody any good. Yeah. Right? No, your, your supplements are always, <laughs> like, I just can't even, and I'm not usually one of those people, but yeah, this this total... Like, all of a sudden, I'm really seeing results when I use your supplements. Yay. As opposed to yeah. the rest of my life mm-hmm. when I'm, like, you know, doing my normal dabbling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's what we do. We, <laughs> sure. we dabble. And I and it's it's fine, but we don't want to be wasteful. Supplements aren't cheap, you know. We want stuff that's going to yeah. work. So see somebody that knows what you need. It can help you find it. If you already know what you need, then great. You know, do it. I think that's, that's perfect. But... Um, you got to have quality stuff because you want the stuff to work. Um, and we also don't need supplements all the time. So it's not like I got to take $500 worth of supplements for the rest of my life. You sure. Know? It is knowing what your body needs at that time, hopefully taking the supplements therapeutically and then coming off of them because you, want, the, you yeah. want your body to work on its own and you want your body to get what it needs from food yeah. um, is, is the goal. But therapeutic supplementation is very important a lot of the time or for in a lot of cases. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So, did that. We have about seven minutes, and I just, I like, I just could keep going and going and going. Yeah. <laughs> like one day, you know, we, we'll offer the all-day seminar. Um, yeah. When we get the answers to this, yeah. to teach you how to <laughs> right. both listen to your body as well as neurobiology yeah. research. So, <laughs> man, it's the same time. so deep and so much. I. Yeah, I think it would be like a year-long seminar. Maybe. Yeah, it's like our book will come out. There you go, twenty twenty-five. Yeah, sure. Um, so I think um, I know that there was a time, you know, as we were talking about mindful eating, what mindful eating means, and you know, yeah. we make it sound simple. And I know that there was a time, and I can't remember yeah. what you called it. You know, we we did a seminar um, a while back, and it, you know, part of it was tasting the food. Right. Savoring. Savoring. Yes. Savoring. I love this. Talk about that. Oh, okay. Awesome. Um, well, one of the big things that we see about cravings and just dysregulation in the nervous system in general um, is that it can always be um, sort of short-circuited by mindfulness. And so one way to work with, you know, mindfulness is such a buzzword. I could talk for an hour about the history mm-hmm. of this word, but... Mm-hmm we'll push it to the side. (laughs) The idea is just paying attention and being in a relationship with the present moment. And so one of the ways we do that with food is through the, I think, kind of lost art of savoring. Uh, So when I'm working with people on either positive psychology, mindfulness, or food workshops, which incidentally I do from time to time, um, weirdly, 
I'm like, that has nothing to do with other things. But um, <laughs> one of the exercises we always do is savoring. Uh, so that we'll take um, some kind of food that typically is really um, potent or enjoyable, like maybe a square of dark chocolate or one berry, and have people put it in their mouths and spend time, well, not even just in your mouth, beginning by looking at the food and sort of imagining things with it, smelling it, touching it, what are the textures, and then rolling it around on your tongue. We get different flavors in different parts mm -hmm. of our mouths. Mm -hmm. um, trying to spend, I'll be like, try to take five minutes to eat this one square of chocolate. And it's surprising because that allows your body to stop and say, oh, okay, and get satisfied from it and get, you know, listened to because we're taking the time in that intentional mm -hmm. practice to listen and so that is one tool that I'm glad you brought it up that I think is great for an entrance to mindful eating um, yeah it is and you know it's it's fun because I've been um, with her I think multiple times now when you've when you've you've done this experience yeah, yeah the, the oranges that was like a yes. fun one I had a young yeah. man come up afterwards and say that was like a sensual experience for me like, yes awesome. just like eating a clementine for 10 uh -huh. minutes yeah. yeah sure it's amazing but I think it it gives it gives the uh, it maybe makes the point or is an example maybe is what I'm trying to say of not maybe to that extent, but if we want to, how we should eat our food mm -hmm. slowly. Um, I, you know, if we're eating quickly and we're eating on the run, our our body is in fight or flight mode, right? Mm -hmm. It's called the sympathetic nervous system. Yeah. And so if we sit and we eat slowly and we don't have all of the stuff on, I'm, you know, surrounded by computers here. Just yeah. <laughs> if you can't see it. Um, this would be a good place to eat. Yeah, don't eat here. Um, <laughs> besides the, the EMFs, right, the yeah. electromagnetic frequencies that can be a problem for a lot of people. Sure. Um, but, you know, enjoying the company you're with and thinking about where the food comes from. All of these things just slow you down. It slows your mind down, yeah. it slows your body down, and puts you into the what's called rest and digest, or parasympathetic nervous system. And it literally is the place where it allows your body to work properly. Yeah. If you're in fight or flight, all of your, not all, I do that a lot, all of your blood goes to your extremities, but a lot of... <laughs> <laughs> that would be really dangerous. That would be weird. Um, <laughs> sure. A lot of the blood goes to the extremities because yeah. you need these muscles to work because you there's something that yeah. needs to happen really quickly. Um, whereas if you're in rest or digest, a lot of the blood goes to the core, allows your body to sit to produce digestive enzymes, hydrochloric yeah. acid, to move, to process, sure. to break down, and to utilize the nutrients, yeah. which is communication, right? And so... Yeah. That is, it's such a great example of how to start paying attention to your food when you're eating it. Yeah. I mean, in, in general, I know we have very little time, but I would throw out for mindful eating mm -hmm. too, setting the stage, anything you can do to regulate your nervous system before you eat. Um, or if you think you're hungry, but maybe you're not, even doing 10 jumping jacks and then sitting down, like letting your body come back, looking around the room and naming five things and their colors. Um, just sitting there and feeling your hands for a few minutes will give your body a chance to listen more intuitively to whether it's really hungry and what it's hungry mm -hmm. for. Um, and also stopping after you eat a little bit of something. So mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm going to eat a little bit of this, um, you know, this chicken. 
body, do you want that chicken? Yeah. Okay, that seems good. Um, mm-hmm. Or like, oh, body, do you want to eat the rest of this apple? No, maybe not quite feeling it right now. Let's look through something else. Um, and that's hard to do. It short circuits everything we've ever been taught about food. It's true. It's yeah. true. Um, it also helps us, you know, the slower we eat, they say eat slowly because it helps us to digest. But it's also the slower you eat and the more time you put into it, the more you're able to know when you're full. Because mm-hmm. we eat so fast, and literally it takes time to get that message to the brain. We've heard this since we were children. We all know it. Um, and what I try to do now, and I'm not great at it yet, besides yeah. just, just you know, eating slower, is I'll just sit back. Just sit back. Just lay back. Yep. <laughs> I'll just sit back away from the food and kind of chew and hang out a little bit, and then I'll come back to it. Um, yeah. Because it just helps me, if I'm sitting back, it helps me just to not mow through. Because I've been known to mow through my food. I used to be sure. the slowest eater as a child. And now, sometimes yeah. I'm like, I just gotta... See, you used to know how to do it. There's some part of you that does my, know. Everybody would leave me at the table. <laughs> Literally, I remember this. Yeah. I'd be like, what am I, why am I still sitting here? But I guess I was still... I don't really even know, to tell you the truth. But I, I was the slowest eater. And it's just not always the case anymore. So, uh, yeah, but we, then people left you at the table. There were cues that were sent to you that that wasn't an appropriate speed to eat at. Oh, man. See? Smarty pants. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so, you know, we, we talk about these things, and it's, um, it's not, you know, I said this already. It's not an immediate change, but we want to bring in awareness and help you to you know, maybe if it's necessary for you, and it may not be, but start that journey, whether it's, you know, yeah. doing, making the small little changes, doing your own research. You know, yeah. we can sit here and talk about stuff all day long, but, you know, research, look at this stuff up for yourself. Whether, yeah. Whatever it is that I ever talk about or she sure, talks about, yeah. you know, you don't have to trust and believe us. I mean, we want to bring you the truth, but, you know... You gotta, you gotta do your own thing, and so, but start it. You know, take care of yourself. We've got yeah. this one amazing life to live. Sure. We don't know how long we have it. You know, people are like, I want to live longer. Well, we don't know if that's gonna happen, right? Yeah. <laughs> but we sure want to live as well and as vibrantly and as beautifully as we sure. can for however long we're here. Um, and so that's why we talk about these things. Yeah. Sort of want to send an invitation to seek out whatever felt juiciest about this conversation. The most juiciest. (laughs) And you can go and dig into that a little bit more. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. We're a little over time, but I want everybody to know how and where to find Miss Sarah. Oh, um, sure. You can find me online at um, denvernarrativetherapy.com. And that's a website that I have. You can, I don't. That's the best place probably. But if you just type in Sarah Eisenbud, there's different avenues that come through to reach me. I'd also put a quick plug that I have an intern here in Denver who's seeing couples and I families. I saw that. That's amazing. Yeah, and he's yeah. able to see them from 10 to $60 a session. He is brilliant and gifted. I don't work with couples anymore because I'm not as good as him. Awesome. Um, but mm-hmm. I supervise him. And so if you've got a relationship or anything and you'd like some support around it, it's unheard of to see a therapist at these rates. Uh, mm-hmm. So reach out to me and I can get you hooked up with Andrew to do some couples counseling. Yeah. yeah. So can he do virtual? He does do virtual. Okay. Yeah, he does telehealth. That's mm-hmm. a great question. Mm-hmm. We all do telehealth now. Um, yeah. 
But yeah, and if you want to explore some of these things, your relationship with food more in depth, finding mindful eating practices that work directly for you, um, you can reach out to me too, and I am taking on a few new clients. Yay! Yeah. Awesome. All right. Thanks, everybody. Um, this was a fun show. So I'm Nikki Burnett. My practice is Taste Life Nutrition, the radio show, Taste Life Radio on KUHS Denver. Um, you can find me um, kind of everywhere, uh, tastelifenutrition.com, Facebook, Instagram, all of the things that make me crazy. But <laughs> You're so good <laughs> at Social media. Social media, I swear. I'm just at that age where it's, it's like I need somebody young to help me. <laughs> yeah. Either way, you're my social media hero. I'm like, I don't know how to do Facebook Live. Like, <laughs> so thanks for being with us, and we'll see you in two weeks. Bye, everybody.